This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. Imagine two little boys out playing together and, and, and they're having the time of their life. And then one of them starts bragging on his dad. Well, you don't let somebody else brag on their dad unless you brag on yours, you know. And so one of the little boys says, well, you know, my, my daddy can do anything. And the other little boy wants to get up on him, and he says, well, my daddy can do more than your daddy. Well, you know, let's think about God. He's our Father in heaven, isn't He? Do you realize as much as we love God, as great as God is, there's still some things He cannot do. That's our lesson today, things God cannot do. Please stay tuned as we discuss that today. I'm Billy Lambert, and I want to welcome you to Getting to Know Your Bible, a show that's dedicated just to lifting up the Word of God. And I want to thank you for tuning in today. Let me urge you to tell someone else about the telecast so they can watch the next time that we're on. Now today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course, and I emphasize it is free, free. And we want you to have it in order that you might know how to receive the course and how to take the course. Let, let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I want to read now from the 139th Psalm, beginning in verse 1. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsetting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassed my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Now, today, we're going to be talking about some things that God cannot do. And that might seem strange in light of some other passages of Scripture like Luke chapter 1, verse 37, which says that nothing is impossible with God. And even though that's true, there's still some things that God cannot do. Or it might seem strange to suggest that there are some things that God cannot do in light of Matthew 10 and verse 30, which teaches that He even has the hair on your head numbered. Imagine. Imagine all of the heads in the world and yet God knows the numbers of hairs on every head in all the world. And that, that seems rather 
staggering to me. And in spite of that thing that God is able to do, there are some things He cannot do. And then in Hebrews chapter 11, and we learned that by faith God created the worlds. He spoke the worlds into existence. He just said, let it be done, and it was done. And in spite of that, there's still some things God cannot do. The question is asked in Genesis 18, verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? And the answer is found in Jeremiah 32, 17, nothing is too hard for the Lord. And, and in spite of the fact that there's nothing too hard for the Lord, there are still some things that God cannot do. Well, what are they? Number one, God cannot lie. Now, men can. They often do. It seems that lying or telling falsehoods is in vogue now. But God cannot lie. Listen to Titus chapter 1 and verse number 2. In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, He cannot lie, promised before the world began. Romans 3 and 4 says, Let God be true and every man a liar. There are a lot of promises that, that are in the Bible. Promises that God has made to His people in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. And God has never lied about one of those promises. In 1 Kings 8.56, the Bible says there's not failed one word, not one word of all His great promise. God is a promise-keeping God. He cannot lie. 2 Peter 3 and 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, Peter describes God's promises like this. They're exceeding great and precious. And one of the reasons they're exceeding great and precious is because every time God makes a promise, He fulfills that promise. He keeps His word. God cannot lie. Now, Satan is referred to by Jesus in John 8, 44, as the father of lies. And indeed He is. And that started in the very beginning of time. When Satan came to Eve and said, Now the Lord said, If you eat of the fruit in the midst of the garden, that you'll die. But he said, Here's what I'm telling you. You will not die. You're not going to die. That was a falsehood. That was a lie. Satan is indeed the father of lies. He does not keep his word. And so God cannot lie. God keeps his word. Think about uh, a passage in uh, Revelation 21 and verse 8, what happens to those who are fault, tell falsehoods or lies? But the fearful and the unbelieving and abominable and whoremongers and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is a second death. Now let me tell you what God cannot do. God cannot lie about anything at all. He is a God of integrity and a God of truth. I had a teacher when I was in college. His name was 
Rex Turner Sr. Dr. Turner was a very knowledgeable man. I sat for four years at his feet studying the prophets of the Old Testament. And what a rich study that was. And I, I frequently, even now, quote Dr. Turner for some of the things he taught us in prophets class. But there's something he taught one day that has stuck with me through the years. And it was this statement that he made over and over and over again. A man that is not basically honest has no foundation upon which to build a good life. And the more I think about that statement of Dr. Turner, the more I believe it to be true that unless we are basically honest people, men and women of integrity, that we have no basis upon which to live a good life. There, there are those today that had seemingly rather tell something that's wrong and untrue than to admit to the truth. But let me tell you, the end result of lying is not a thing to be winked at. Liars will have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. All liars will. Preachers that lie. Politicians that lie. Husbands that lie. Wives that lie. Sons that lie. Daughters that lie. Anyone that tells lies and never repents of those lies, never has forgiveness of the lies they've told, and began to live for God, if they do not do that, there's going to be a penalty to pay. But let me tell you what God can't do. He can't, he can't tell a lie. It's impossible for God to lie. A second thing that God cannot do is to overlook sin. He just can't do it. Habakkuk chapter 1 and 13 says that he's purer of an eyes than to behold iniquity. God just can't look on sin. I've heard some say that that's the reason that while Jesus was on the cross dying for sin, that seemingly his father turned his back upon him for a time, and Jesus said, Why have you forsaken me? God could not look upon the sin that His Son was suffering for upon the cross of Calvary. Whether that's the case or not, I do not know. But I'll tell you what I do know. God cannot wink at, at sin. Now, we wink at it today, and we, we look at it rather lightly, and we, we try to categorize sin, and this is a big sin, this is a little sin, this is a white sin, this is a black sin, this is a medium-sized sin. But in God's sight, it's just sin. It's just sin. And God does not overlook sin. And while Jesus went to the cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ died for the sins of the whole world. Jesus died to save men and women from the sins that they commit in their lives. And, and He could not overlook the sin of Adam. He could not overlook the sin of Noah. He could not overlook the sin of David. He could not overlook the sin of King Saul. He could not overlook the sins of Ananias and Sapphira. God cannot overlook sin, and He doesn't overlook ours now. Do you know that? If they think about God and, and looking at our world, and, and you know what the world is like today. If you're knowledgeable at all, you know what's going on in our world. And I wouldn't insult your intelligence by trying to explain to you what's going on in our world. 
in, in all of our world, in the social world, the political world, the, 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 the religious world, the academic world around us today. And truth is in short supply in our world. And in place of truth, we have untruth. And that's a nice way of saying that there are people in our world that are not living for God. God's not going to overlook my sin. He's not going to overlook your sin. Let me read a passage to you from the Old Testament. It's found in Numbers 32 and verse 23. Now, I want you to listen carefully. It's a passage that we need to have in our heart today. Be sure. You know there are a lot of things about which we cannot be sure today. We live in a world of uncertainty. We, we live in a world where, where it's hard to get your finger on certain things, but this is one thing that you can be certain about. Be sure, be sure now, that your sin, your sin, my sin, everyone's sin, be sure your sin will find you out. Sin will find you out in your conscience. It'll find you out in your conscience. It's going to find you out in your body. Sometimes people do certain things that, that affect their physical body. Maybe they take drugs or alcohol and they smoke cigarettes and take nicotine into their bodies or, or many other substances or things that damage their body. Maybe one thing they do to hurt their body is just nothing. They never get any kind of exercise. They, they do not do anything to, to help to promote good health in their physical body. Well, sometimes sin can find you out in your own body. Sin will find you out in, in the execution of human laws today. A person may go half a lifetime and be guilty of a crime, and they may think after 20 or 30 or 40 years that they've gotten away with that crime. Then one day, the hounds of the law catch up with them, and there's a knock at their door, and they are handcuffed and they're taken to justice because sin will find you out in the execution of human laws. The sin can find you out in your own children. Surely it can. And maybe you do not live a life for Jesus before your children, and your children follow your example and your children go off into sin, they start doing things that, that are, uh, uh, break your heart, you never even uh, uh, dream that your children would do those things. And what they are doing is following the example you set before them, and your, your sin is found out in your own children. Now your children are responsible for their sins, and you are responsible for your own sins, and your children do not inherit your sin, but they may suffer as a result of the sin that you have committed in your life. Sin will find you out, and it's going to find you out in the day of judgment, and it's going to find you out eternally as well. You see, God cannot overlook sin. That, that we need to understand that's one thing God cannot do. Now let me tell you a third thing God cannot do. He cannot tempt you. You, you remember Flip Wilson and, and he would say, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. Well, some people may think that God made them do it. J James chapter 1 and verse 13 following says, Let no man say, when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. For man cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. 
But, but a man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And lust, when it is conceived, bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Man is not tempted by God. Man is tempted when he gives way to the temptation, to the lust of the hour, and it, and it leads him into sin. Don't blame God for your temptation because God cannot tempt you. That's not jo God's job. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4. But it wasn't God who tempted him. He was tempted by the devil himself. And let's give the devil some credit today. He is the greatest enemy that you have. The enemy of Satan. Satan is your enemy who would tempt you to do wrong. 1 Peter 5 and 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. That's not God's fault. It's not God that tempts you to do wrong. It's Satan who tempts you to do wrong. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, or 12 and 13, Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he falls. Somebody says, I'll never give in to your temptation. Paul says, let those that think they will never give in to a temptation, watch out, because you may fall as well. But then in verse 13 says, There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. I love that part of that passage. God is faithful. Who will not suffer you or allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with a temptation do what? Make a way of escape. There's a way out. But we ask God to help us to overcome that temptation. You know, Jesus in Matthew 26 and 41 says, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. We need to pray and we ought to watch for an answer when we're being, when temptation is knocking on our door. And Jesus said to pray like this, lead us not into temptation, but God, please God, deliver us from evil. You know what God will do when we pray like that? To deliver me from evil, keep me from harm's door, keep me away from sin and temptation. God is going to help you. One little girl said, in her childlike way, every time the devil knocks on my door, has he ever knocked on your door, incidentally? Have you ever felt like the devil is knocking on your door every time, all the time, some of the time? This little girl said, every time Satan knocks on my door, I just send Jesus to the door. Isn't that, isn't that precious? Isn't that a good thing to do? When the devil starts knocking on your door, won't you send Jesus to the door? Let him answer the door. Ask him for help. One thing God cannot do is tempt you. Then here's another thing God cannot do. He cannot save you without Jesus' blood. Listen to Hebrews 9.22. Apart from the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Now you might do a lot of good things, but He can't save you out the blood of Jesus. Jesus in Matthew 7 says, Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, and we not prophesied in your name, in your name cast out devils, in your name done many wonderful works, but I shall profess unto them, I never you knew you. You may do a lot of good things, 
but you can't save you without the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody says, you know, Brother Lambert, I go to church every time the doors open. I'm there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. They have a revival. I attend every service of that revival. Let me ask you, have you ever been washed in the blood of the Lamb? I've known of men, grown men, that attended services of the church with their wives for 25 and 30 years. I'm thinking of one right now that I led to Christ after he had been attending services with his wife for 30 or more years. But he had never had his sins washed in the blood of the Lamb. I sat down and talked to him about his soul. And that day he was baptized into Christ. Have your sins been washed away in Jesus' blood? He cannot, God cannot save you without that blood. Listen to Revelation 1.5. Unto Him who loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood. You know the song, What Can Wash Away My Sins? The answer is, nothing but the blood of Jesus. When does that blood wash away my sins? Turn in your Bible to Acts twenty-two sixteen. Listen to it. And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away Thy sins calling on the name of the Lord. Have you ever had your sins washed away? Folks, God can't save you without the blood of Jesus. It's the blood that washes away your sins. But it's when we as penitent, confessing believers in Jesus that are baptized into Christ that our sins are washed away. Let me note this in Acts twenty-two sixteen: The washing away of sins comes after the act of baptism and not before. You don't have your sins washed away and then later on you're baptized. You're baptized in order that your sins be washed away. But here's another thing God cannot do. He cannot save a man who doesn't want to be saved. There's no way you can save someone that doesn't want to be. In Matthew 19, there was this young, rich young ruler came running to Jesus and, and he asked Jesus, you know, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, keep the commandments. He said, which of them? And Jesus enumerated some of the commandments he ought to keep. He said, I've been doing that all of my life. From my youth up, I've kept those commandments. And then Jesus finally, he said, what do I lack yet? What else do I need to do? He said, I want you to go and sell your goods and give to the poor and come follow me. And the Bible says that he, he was a rich young man, you see. And the Bible says that he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. You see, this man wanted to be saved, but the Lord couldn't save him because he really didn't want to make the sacrifice necessary to be saved. God can't save you just because you're a good moral person. He, he can't save you because if you're a lukewarm Christian. He can't save you if you just keep procrastinating, neglecting your salvation. A man must desire to go to heaven to be saved. He, he has to desire to go to heaven more than any other thing. Do you really want to go to heaven one day? God can't save you uh, 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 that does, if you don't well, want to be saved. And if you want to be saved more than any other thing, you've got to believe on Jesus. I, that's not because Billy says you must believe on Jesus. It's because Jesus said you must believe on Jesus. Jesus said, in John 8, 24, except you believe that I am He, you 
shall die in your sins. It's either believe in Jesus or will die lost. Somebody says that's pretty hard. Jesus said that. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. And we must repent of our sins if we would be saved. Jesus said, I tell you, neighbor, except you repent, you will all likewise perish. That's in Luke 13, verse 3, as well as verse 5. And then we must be willing to confess the sweet name of Jesus before men. Jesus said, if you'll confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven in Matthew 10, 32, 33. And then as a penitent, confessing believer, the Bible teaches, the Bible teaches, this is not the church teaching this. This is not what I learn from men. I learn it from Jesus. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Have you ever done that? And then you must live a faithful, dedicated life before God. You need to be faithful. Well done, good, and faithful servant. Matthew 25, verse 21, as well as verse 23. God can't save you unless you really want to be saved. And God cannot save you after you die. In Luke 16, we read about a man who lost his soul in torment. And he desired that Lazarus go back to his father's house and First of all, he wanted mercies. He wanted Lazarus to put just moisten his finger and put it on his tongue. The request was denied. And he wanted to go back to his father's house, talk to his brothers. The request was denied. It's too late once we die. And so there are a lot of, a lot of praying going in in hell right now. A lot of repenting in hell. There's a lot of believing in hell. Even the devils believe and tremble. There's lots of remorse in torment. There's a lot of concern in torment. But you cannot be saved after you die. You see, the Bible always talks about right now. Today is the day of your salvation. I, I want to thank you for watching, getting to know your Bible today. May I encourage you right now to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And also right now, pick up the telephone and call for the free Bible course. You may take it online if you prefer. Our desire is that men and women, boys and girls everywhere, they get to know the Bible much better. That's the reason for the telecast. That's the reason for the Bible course. May God help us all to study more of His Word, to learn more about what He wants us to do to go to heaven one day. I want to thank you, thank you, thank you for watching Getting to Know Your Bible today. I have a request. Tell someone else about the telecast today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214.
Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.